This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to Voices of the Walrus on AMI Audio, where professional readers give voice to articles from Canada's best general interest magazine. I'm your host, Lloyd Robertson. Writing history often involves hard decisions about what to include and what to leave out. But the omissions in the textbook Reflections are at times astounding and depict Quebec as a society struggling to survive in the face of the indifferent and sometimes malignant country surrounding it. Norma Wick reads Quebec Rewrites Its History by Martin Patroquin. Martin Patroquin contributes to the New York Times, The Guardian, and iPolitics. He lives in Montreal. I'm Norma Wick. This is an article titled, Quebec Rewrites Its History, by Martin Patroquin, from the September issue of The Walrus. This August, roughly 130,000 grade 9 and 10 students in Quebec will crack the spine of a new history textbook. Entitled Reflections.qc.ca, Memoir QC.ca in French, its two volumes, adding up to more than 600 pages, cover the story of Quebec and Canada from before European contact to the present. Writing history often involves hard decisions about what to include and what to leave out. But the omissions in Reflections are, at times, astounding and depict Quebec as a society struggling to survive in the face of the indifferent, sometimes malignant country surrounding it. The First World War, which cost Canada about 60,000 lives, was the site of some of the country's most heroic battles, such as Ypres and Vimy Ridge. Yet, in the ten pages devoted to the war, English Canadians, who found themselves divided over conscription after it was introduced in 1917, are represented almost exclusively as jingoistic warmongers who used French Canadians largely as cannon fodder. There is no mention of Major Talbot Mercer Papineau, arguably one of Quebec's greatest military figures. There's also no mention of In Flanders Fields, a wartime poem still recited throughout the world, even though its author, Canadian doctor and soldier John McCrae, spent a considerable part of his career in Montreal. The Second World War, a conflict many French Canadians at the time regarded as a British concern, gets similarly short shrift. The section about the Holocaust merits only 138 words. Montreal's crucial role as the hub for the country's war effort goes unnoticed, while Camillion Oud, the city's wartime mayor, is included for his public opposition to Ottawa's national registration, a stance that got him interned for four years. Unnoted is Oud's enthusiastic defense of Jacques Duget de Bernonville, a militia leader in France's pro-Nazi Vichy regime, who fled to Canada after the war and was sentenced to death in absentia for the murder of resistance fighters. It goes on. The textbook refers to the establishment of Quebec's public health care system in 1961, yet neglects to mention the precedent of Saskatchewan Premier Tommy Douglas, who helped set the groundwork for Medicare in his province in 1947. 
precipitating the October crisis of 1970, radical Quebec separatists kidnapped and killed Quebec cabinet minister Pierre Laporte and directed authorities to his body, which they had dumped in the trunk of a car. Yet, in the textbook, Laporte was simply found dead, and his killers are referred to as bloodless abductors. For nearly two centuries, the Quebec history curriculum has been shaped by the ideological biases of governments and historians. In 1831, Joseph-Francois Perrault wrote the first Quebec history textbook, which praised the good behavior of the British Army when it conquered New France in 1760. Its successor, François-Xavier Garneau's four-volume Histoire du Canada was instead a nationalist ode to French Canadians fighting against English hegemony. The story Quebec tells about itself has gone back and forth several times since, blowing alternatively hot and cold on what exactly it is. Part of a country that let it survive and thrive despite the twin existential threats of the English language and mostly English demographics? or a collection of frustrated people forever denied their own destiny. Are Quebecers participants in the Canadian experiment, or its victims? Nationalist governments, particularly with the rise of the sovereignty movement in the 1960s, have hardly been shy about claiming Quebec's victimhood. Even the province's current Coalition Avenir Quebec government, which has pledged to make Quebec stronger within Canada while ruling out another independence referendum, has accepted the textbook, possibly because it emphasizes deep-rooted differences between Quebec and the rest of the country. Having positioned itself as the defender of Quebec's collective identity, the CAQ has become very good at stoking fears of loss and assimilation for political gain. In this sense, reflection serves as a bit of a nationalist revenge. Though secessionist forces are in retreat, the textbook is a strategic, if spiteful, reminder of their existence. History is never objective. Readers of the 1913 text History and Geography of British Columbia came away with the idea that Hudson's Bay Company Governor George Simpson's skill in the management of the native races did much to save Canada from the horrors of Indian warfare. The British are described as being unceasingly fair with the Indigenous people, treating them kindly, firmly, honestly, going so far as to properly baptize and otherwise make civilized Indigenous children. In 1913, colonizers considered this God's work. Today, it's called cultural genocide. This process of claim and counterclaim is how history usually tracks shifting societal perspectives. But it can be exploited. The nationalist flavor of reflections stems from an election promised by the Parti Québécois a little over a year before the 2012 provincial election. Led by Pauline Marois, the Sovereignist Party was in position to defeat the scandal-plagued Liberal government. But, with support for independence steadily dropping, the PQ needed identity issues that had nothing to do with secession. So, the party zeroed in on the Liberals' 2006 education reforms, which sought to render Quebec history less political and generally more pluralist. The historians advising Liberals at the time criticized a curriculum they felt neglected the contributions of non-Francophones and put too much of its focus on conflicts between the English and the French. The reforms, for example, remove details about how Canada repatriated its constitution in 1982 without Quebec's approval 
and about the federal government's failed attempts to remedy that, such as the 1987 Meech Lake Accord. Historian Jocelyn Letourneau, who was briefly involved in the 2006 reforms, praised the new curriculum's attempt to break from a miserablest account of Quebec history. Several historians, however, savaged the liberal changes. In the newspaper La Devoir, the reforms were declared nothing short of a pure exercise in Federalist propaganda. A petition was started calling for their rejection and for a parliamentary commission into why they were implemented. Eric Bedard, a pillar of Quebec's nationalist historical thought, complained that the reforms didn't highlight the trading partnership between early French explorers and indigenous peoples, one fairer than the paternalistic, often blood-soaked version associated with the British. Nor was there much on Quebec's Patriot Rebellion in 1837, or how the Quiet Revolution overcame the Catholic Church's outsized power, two events that presented Quebec nationalism in a more favorable light, from the bravery of French uprisings against the British to the role nationalists played in freeing Quebec from the chains of the Church. A PQ government would write the situation by placing Quebec history at the forefront where it belongs, the party promised. Quebec is hardly unique in being suspected of using its classrooms to foster separatist ideas. During Catalonia's pro-independence referendum in 2017, the Spanish government fielded dozens of complaints about indoctrination at schools in the breakaway region. It's also no surprise that, given its polarized place in the country, Quebec has so deliberately and consistently relied on partisan observations of the past to shape its policies and political rhetoric. All nations have something fundamental to their collective identity, says Letourneau. In Canada, it's about diversity. We largely revisit the history of Canada through the lens of diversity. In Quebec, it's duality. There's you, and there's the other. So when we talk about Anglophones, it's in the context of adversity. We didn't have it easy. We got screwed. It's always someone else's fault. This ideological system has made playing the victim good politics in Quebec. Once elected in 2012, the Marois government promptly started to work on an overhaul of the province's history curriculum. Bedard was brought in, and one set of historical omissions was swapped for another. In 2014, Laterno said Bedard had become a nationalist spin doctor. When I spoke with him recently, Bedard accused Laterno of wanting to change Quebec's collective memory. Not quite, counters Laterno. The point is to complicate a national story that seems unable to see Quebec as more than a tiny society threatened by the forever encroaching Anglo tide. French in North America will always be vulnerable, says Laterno. Some people take it personally, others don't care. Who's right? I'm not sure. But as a historian, it isn't my job to create political narratives that foment the idea that we're disappearing. History, however, doesn't always belong to historians. Marois' PQ government lasted all of 18 months, but its vision of Quebec's past will be decidedly more enduring. Despite calls from Montreal's English-language school board to pulpit and start over, the textbook is staying in classrooms. Omissions, exaggerations, and ahistorical overindulgences be damned. History will always be subject to debate, CAQ Education Minister Jean-Francois Robert said last November. I think it's normal not to have unanimity on that matter. 
He's right, of course. In Quebec, kingdom of the aggrieved, history isn't only alive, it's forever political. That was an article titled Quebec Rewrites Its History by Martin Patroquin from the September issue of The Walrus. I'm Norma Wick. You've been listening to Voices of the Walrus on AMI-audio. Produced by Don Dickinson. Audio engineering by Sam Robinson and Bill Shackleton. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. And I'm your host, Lloyd Robertson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a rating and review. And subscribe for more. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.